That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hey folks, it's Matt Zachary and welcome to Vax On, a brand new weekly segment of my podcast, Out of Patience, right here on the Offscript Media Network. Hey, I'm Alura Nanos. I'm a lawyer, a journalist, a mom of a teenage narcoleptic, and a professional big mouth. Lou and I go back 30 years as best friends, and we're here to have fun and bring you a layperson's guide to what the hell just happened this week in healthcare as America gets its vax on and shows COVID the door. Matt gets me. He knows I'm tired, annoyed, and sometimes pushed to the brink by the intense chaos of our lives right now. We're here together to learn, complain, and include you in the conversation. So join us on Twitter at VaxOnPod and share your stories and grievances using the hashtag VaxOn. Conspiracy theorists and haters shall be neutralized on site. All right, Matt, let's get at it. Hello, we're back. How are you? I am doing adequate. (laughs) What did you do this week? Anything? Honestly, my brain is has been always falling apart for 25 years. I'm a, I'm a, I guess I'm a neurological Jenga puzzle at this point. Oh, that's point. true, right? You have brain issues in the best of times. But the thing is, like, there's kind of an event horizon where the axes cross about aging versus late effects. Mm. And I think I've reached that point, but COVID has clearly, very clearly uh, exacerbated that. And I just think even, even though we're at this wonderful cusp of vaccinations are starting, uh, numbers are really down, I'm not fear-mongering over this fourth thing they're projecting at some point. I feel really good, but it's not quite catching up to my neuropsych at this point. You know, it's funny that you say that. I feel the exact same way where I, I want to be really hopeful. And I, I absolutely feel like because of the vaccine that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. But it's like that tunnel is so fucking long. Yeah. And where I am right now still sucks. And because there's still nothing to do. And, you know, although it's getting safer, not everybody is vaccinated. And it's it's just annoying. You know, so I was reading this article. Wait, you read? I mean, well, ish. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe somebody shared it with me. I did read it, though. Yeah. And sometimes knowing that other people are miserable for the same reason just helps. It really, like that misery loves company thing. It's universal suffering. Right. But this was so, and I thought it was astounding. I Um, I didn't see it. What is it? So it's an article from The Atlantic written by Ellen Cushing. And she wrote an article about how the pandemic really is having neurological effects on people. And I'm not talking about COVID, not talking about people who had COVID. I'm talking just about the effect that the pandemic has. Writ large on society. Yeah. And and she was talking about how lots of people are having memory loss. And I'm sorry, what? (laughs) Yeah. And you are? Yeah. They're, They're having, like, people are forgetting the faces of people that they know. They're forgetting longstanding appointments that they used to have all the time. And, and it seems like it's actually pretty prevalent. And she was saying that that she asks herself questions 
regularly just to like make sure that she, she still knows, knows the answers. answers. Yeah, like like what's the name of that coffee shop I used to pass? And so like COVID fog. Yeah, and it it is. It's like a COVID fog, but it's not. But it's not really because of COVID. It's because it's just of because society has completely upended itself from social interaction and normalcy. Yeah. So I think you know so many of us have felt that on an emotional level, but it's really kind of weird to think about it on a neuro level that, you know, are our brains functioning the same way or are they different? So how, have you felt that you like forgot stuff or think differently or, you know, do you have anything like that that's happened to you? I think when I get really stressed, yeah, my brain just shuts off for certain things. You know, and- you know what I've, I've found that um, I, I don't forget a lot of things, but I have a hard time sometimes getting dressed, like putting together outfits because it's like I haven't I've been wearing sweatpants like all the time. Forgotten real clothing. I literally forgot how to put on like an outfit, you know, so obviously you dress for like the weather and for the occasion. It's like I don't know what to do anymore. I don't know what's appropriate for any particular environment anymore. And I keep showing up places where I should be a little bit professional wearing like jeans and chucks. And like that I get there and I'm like, no, this was wrong. And I can't seem to figure it out. It's very strange. But, you know, in the article, there were some neuroscientists that were quoted in it where they explained that this is really a very real thing and that it's not necessarily all bad. One of the neuroscientists, Tina Franklin, said that the reason that this happens is because our brains are very good at forgetting things that we don't really need. So, for example, you know, let's say you need to remember the name of your coffee order every day that you would have given on the way to work and now you're not going to work, well, you don't really need that anymore. And theoretically, it'll sort of come back when you need it again. You know, we have new habits now, so our brains have adjusted to the new habits. So right. in, in a way, it's it's that should be heartening because it's like adaptation. But then it's, but then it's like decoupling that new learning back to normal. Well, you know, m- one of the things that I hope to happen to all of us is we've had to all make these crazy changes during the pandemic and hopefully some of the ability to be flexible will stick with us. So I know that for me, like I I always focus on one thing. And my one thing is that during the pandemic, I did a lot more outdoor stuff because that was the only way that I could see my friends was to do things like go walking or go kayaking and be with them outdoors. And I'm hoping that I hold on to this idea of when I'm bored and I'm thinking of something fun to do, that my brain goes to an outdoor activity as opposed to only thinking of restaurants and shows, which is where my brain used to always go. Right. So it's like for you, in your particular case, the pandemic gave you the outdoors where that may not have naturally happened. Exactly. And now you don't want to revert right. to the reclusive indoor exactly. xenophobe <laughs> right. that you were. Right. But I, I look, let me say this. While it did give me the outdoors, it also took away other things. It yes. took away like all of my patients. It took away my ability to talk on the phone. For some reason, I just didn't want to talk to anybody on the phone anymore. So, you know, we lost stuff. We gained stuff. I hope I hold on to the good stuff. Um, but I just thought it was interesting. Like all of us have been dealing with with all of these different effects of being in the house for a year and all that. And it's, I always think it's interesting to know, hey, no, this is like science. This is a real thing that happens to your brain. Well, we talk about trauma as an influence on your, like your endocrine system, your neuromuscular system, your body gets used to certain high levels of tension and stress. And they always say like the, the worst day of cancer is your last day. 
ideally, if there's a last day, you ring the bell, you go home, what's next? Your body's so used to that frenetic uncertainty of stress and anxiety when it's a different version of that, like the next day, you don't know how to react to it. Sure, sure. Yeah, because your your body gets used to that. That's your routine. That's yep. your new routine. Exactly. So what's the big takeaway here? We're all fucked. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know. I, one of the things that the doctors said that I thought was a really important message is that the thing that you can do, the thing that's good for yourself to combat any kind of you know brain fog or that kind of thing is physical activity and novelty. Physical activity, of course, we all know is good and is the so antidote. like macrame. Right. <laughs> I just bought a basket with macrame. <laughs> but like take up a new thing and, you know, be Lanyard. new at things. Lanyard, puzzles, crocheting. Right. You mentioned on the show last week that you went to puzzles like on day one of the pandemic. I did. I'm, I'm all about the puzzles. But I mean, just doing anything new and talking to new people, having new experiences, that process of learning and doing stuff that breaks up the monotony that that in and of itself is helpful on a neural level. I think that's, I know that for me, it makes a big difference. And I, I am interested to hear that it, that it makes that difference like more globally. Well, I hope that helps you. I mean, sure. Do something, do something new. Report back next week on yes. what you will find that's new. Matt and the new things he's going to do. Dear Lanyard, <laughs> moving on. Does it have to be, why does it always have to be craft? Like, I, Arts, I, I hate crafts. crafts. What I else hate crafts. I hate crafts. You know what else there is? The fucking gardening. People with the gardening, the obsession. With, I mean, you live in Brooklyn. People, I live in the suburbs. People are obsessed with gardening. They started gardening the minute COVID hit. Turnips. And they Turnips all, matter. <laughs> let me tell you something. If you see me out there with some topsoil and a shovel, call the authorities. Okay. Okay. That's deal. like the last step for me. I don't want to deal with nature on any level. I want it to be there. I want to look at it. I don't want to make it. So pick your novelties wisely. Yes. So what's up for the next segment? Okay, so... We got some stuff we have to talk about. We have to address it. I feel like I need you to be with me through this information. Okay, I need support for this information. All right, so I'm Fraser Crane. Okay. I'm listening. Okay, here we go. So you know how we've all become like obsessive about statistics during this time because COVID has been about nothing if not about statistics? Right, right. So one of the things that we're finding now is that the statistics about COVID deaths have been wrong. No surprise there. Right. Uh, so, like, we're trying to track how many people died from COVID, and it turns out that we are seriously underreporting the amount of deaths that occurred from COVID mm. for a variety of reasons. Um, we're not talking about intentional underreporting. We're talking about, you know, in the beginning, no one really knew people died. They didn't know that what they had died from. Now, even when we do know, you know, it's very difficult to change death certificates. Even if we know the person had COVID, that's like a whole big song. Well, there was a big, I'm not going to say scandal, but they were not sure whether people were dying of COVID or like it goes back to cancer. You don't die of cancer. You die of organ failure because you have cancer. So is it fair to say that if someone dies of organ failure because they had COVID, do they die of COVID and does that count? Right. And I mean, and I think in a kind of 
common sense kind of common conversation kind of way, we would all say, absolutely. Nobody is interested in like, well, what was the exact last straw? It's kind of like, well, what made you, what made that person right. die? Would you have died if you didn't have COVID? Right. And if, and if, you know, for legally that's how you do it. You say if, if, if the event is a substantial factor in whatever the damage is, then it's the cause. Right. And, and things can have more than one cause, anything that's a substantial factor. So, right. Uh, Listeners, Elora's a lawyer in case you missed that fact. <laughs> yes. But I mean, so much of the decision making has to do with what the statistics are. And if we can't trust the statistics to be accurate, then what the hell are we supposed to do with it? Right. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I bring this up really for no reason other than to complain about it. Well, it's just dumb fuckery. Yeah. And I don't know that there's like a, a solution. I mean, I don't even really know whose fault it is. Right. Where do you get your facts from is not even relevant here. <laughs> No, the facts aren't even facts. Yeah. Like I, nobody even knows what they are. Right. And you know, Ohio and Indiana, Virginia, they found six thousand unreported deaths. But then there's like other places that have other deaths, and who knows? And, and the Cuomo stuff, which we won't was get it counted into. twice, yeah. and did Cuomo fix it or not? Did yeah. I, I? I don't know. I don't. Did he have there's someone no, say? Like, there's no repairing this in post production either. Like it's done. It's happening. It's over. It's, yeah. Right. Yeah. So. So where do we get new data? The right data from that's probably an open-ended, unanswerable question. You know, it, it is, but I think there's probably people who are in charge of, um, like, what is it, epidemiological data? Yeah. Right? To know, like, Good just syllables. sort of, I mean, you like how I said that? Yeah. That was a lot. I said it like it was no problem. Epidemiological. That, that was like a, like, like very percussive, like epidemiological. Yes. <laughs> I could wrap that right now. <laughs> um, but I mean, there are, there are probably standards and practices and maybe things need to be adjusted now for like long term. It may not even affect COVID and COVID deaths, but if, you know, for other illnesses or something, I mean, who knows? I don't know. I just know that it's disheartening to me that we don't really, we know, here's what we know. We know that we don't know. Well, it, it, and then it ties into the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, which is now data is almost irrelevant if we already know that states have taken opposite approaches and have the same fucking result. That is Let's talk about it. Was that California and, and Florida? Florida? Yeah, Literally well, keeping me up at night. What, what's the article about? The article says that, so California and Florida had literally opposite approaches to, the, to COVID, right? California shut everything down. Everything. And Florida said, what's COVID? <laughs> Florida was like, whatever. And they ended up with the same amount of COVID cases per capita of the population. So when I first heard this, I was like, no, it's probably that they're counting the wrong thing. Nope. They're counting how many COVID cases like per capita in the population. And it was the same, even though the states had the exact opposite approaches. So what does that say to the people that hated everything from both sides? We're all wrong. We're all right. There's no, there's nothing. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I mean, the the experts in the article that I read about it, they attributed it to even if there are restrictions, not everyone will follow the restrictions. And even if there are no restrictions, people will still be cautious. Some people will still be cautious. So it's compliance. Right. Or but the illusion of compliance. I have to tell you, though, I don't buy that. Because I really believe that when there are massive restrictions put in place, some people will follow them. Some people will be very strict. Some people will be moderately strict. And some people won't follow them at all. But I just don't believe, maybe I'm too optimistic. I don't believe that when the government says we're shutting down the state, that it has no effect on people's behavior. I just can't believe that. 
Well, I, what is it? Ellen DeGeneres says that 38% of statistics are made up on a spot. So I'll just make this up right now. <laughs> so here in New York, again, the COVID tracker in the city here in, in, is that Manhattan had the lowest consistent incidence rate of all the boroughs Con- across the board. Staten Island went up and down. Brooklyn went up and down. Queens went up and down. Oh, but, Staten, up but, and down. but Manhattan, Manhattan was the most itself consistent. was consistently under 1% or 2% for the entire year. And I attribute that to the culture and the compliance. So is that endemic of just the way that a city construct is built? Or, you know, we're just one little tiny borough in a giant state. So you can look at Florida, like maybe certain pockets stayed at 1%, but other pockets were at 80%, right? So is it fair to look at California's massive? We have 30 different states, right? So to see different outcomes, to your point, I'm, I'm just trying to extrapolate is it really about compliance, really good here, really bad there? So right. So you're saying that maybe it's that each of these states has the same number of different kinds of spots and each spot will deal with it differently, right? Right, that, and that's out. I mean, I could see that. I could see that being the case. You'll always have in, every, in any community some people that really listen and some people that are less cautious and some people who are having super spreader events and other people who are like not leaving the house. So at the end of the day, it all evens out because we're sort of all Americans and it ends up being basically the same. Well, there's no one size fits all. There's a bell curve for everything. People's behavior, however extreme or not extreme they're going to be, oh, it's fake, it's a hoax, or I'm wearing a hazmat suit every day on the subway. You're going to get a blending that nets out in the middle. And maybe the middle is the results of California and Florida. I guess. But I have to tell you, this like short circuits my lawyer brain. <laughs> yes. It really does. Because because what I have to take away from this is that regulations in general that deal with individual behavior could potentially have absolutely no effect. You could have one state with really good regs, another state with zero regs, and you could have the outcome be the same. And if that's the case with other types of regulations, other healthcare regulations, gun regulations, crimes, like I can't have that be the case. <laughs> I just can't have right. it be that it's going to have it's going to net out and have no effect. Well, they have incidental data, maybe it's anecdotal data that on average, like the bowling alleys, the hair salons, the nail salons had a very low incidence of spread. Indoor dining had a very low incidence of spread. And yet the church groups and the senior centers and the congregations of larger groups in private settings were the real spreader events. So just because the state says a school's closed but stores are open, the incidence is irrelevant to either of those because most of the spreading is happening in the homes, in the gatherings, in the backyards. Right, right. So, yeah, and, and I also always want to look into that even further and say when we're looking at these these different pockets and saying, you know, like you said, like, you know, bowling alleys aren't aren't super spreaders and even airplanes aren't. And then parties tend to be. I wonder how much of that is about the event and how much of it is about who goes to those events. Right. You know, d- some different people go to different things. Different people frequent the grocery store as compared with frequenting a bar, let's say. Well, look at the Sturgis rally, right? Fairly consequential event that happened last summer in South Dakota, North Dakota, a Dakota, a Dakota, one of the Dakotas that happened in. And they were able to trace that X amount of people died because of it. X amount of people got COVID because of it. And it spread across all 50 states over right. the course of a couple of weeks. That type of event is different than going to a hair salon, a sure. nail salon or a school. Right. Right. And I'll tell you, I wish I had known this earlier because um, the nail salon was what I missed most. 
Right. The nail you salon. You could have gone the whole time. It was literally the first place I went back to. And when I went back there, it is like being in an actual bowl. Like they, I have to like be in this box. Yep. And um, like the marching band we talked about last week. Yes. Right. Like the marching band in the little pod. Yeah. So, and I'm like, listen, if I have to die to get my nails done, I'm from Staten Island. Manicures are mandatory. Bring it on. I will be so careful. I'm like literally there with my sanitizer, spraying things down, and it's been fine, and no one's gotten sick. So, hooray for acrylics. And now for some ads. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, there's some good news, though. I think we like to end the show with good news because we talk about all sorts of possibly worse news to just (laughs) go downhill from there. So let's, yeah, let's go on the positive side. What do we got? I was so happy to, to read about this that it looks like people who have had COVID may only need one dose of the vaccine. Regardless of whether the dosing of the vaccine is two shots or one shot? Yes. They're saying that one dose of any of the vaccines supercharges a person's antibodies so much that it has such an extraordinary result on your immune system that there is some good evidence that once a person has had COVID, they may not even need two shots. Now, that's not to say if you have had COVID and you have a vaccine, you should disregard the second shot, but it is looking like the science supports that one shot may be enough. So this is important, even though people may still be getting two shots, um, because it just shows that the vaccine can be so powerful. Well, this also goes to the unknown millions of people who are asymptomatic that are walking around with antibodies that don't know it, that are going to wind up getting two shots anyway. Because right. they're not going to screen you for antibodies before they decide you're getting one or two shots. You're exactly. Getting, getting the shots. But it's great to know just for sort of for the future, um, you know, as we get more and more data, it's really it's really important to know this, that it looks like a possibility that despite the fact that people's immune systems vary from person to person, there is some very good evidence that if you've had COVID, one shot does what you need. 
Um, this could be significant. So we'll have to kind of keep our eye on it and see what the scientific community says about this as we get more and more information. It's like when you buy the iPhone 11 and the next day the iPhone 12 comes out. <laughs> really? I didn't have to get that second damn shot. I was in a bed for 48 hours. But for now, go get the shot. Do yes. what they tell you, you know, all that. Uh, speaking of getting shots, did you hear this about, about our friend Yo-Yo Ma? Oh, Yo-Yo Ma. I say this like I wish he was my friend. I mean, but could he really pick you out of a crowd? Probably not. Probably not. Okay. I just want him to be my friend because I find that he just looks like such a nice guy. And this is what I love. So Yo-Yo Ma went to go get his vaccination. And of course he brought his cello. Obviously he brought his cello, right? So this was premeditated. As one does. (laughs) As one does. If you are Yo-Yo Ma, that's what you do. And got Our cello will travel. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, you know, cello can be useful. Like, what if it was a long line? He could take a seat on it. Like, yeah, that's true. Entertain himself, get some practice time in, entertain the crowd. Which he did. Which he did when he was done getting the shot. He gave a little concert. He played some Brahms. He played some Mozart. And the people were just delighted around Ode him. Ode to mRNA. Exactly. And, and let me just say this. I mean, first of all, I wish I had been there. I mean, that is so cool because... When I got my vaccine, I remember it just felt like such a joyful experience. But if you had followed up with a live Yo-Yo Ma concert, I mean, come yeah. on, like what's better than that? Billy Joel showing up. I, I mean, just, I mean, maybe somebody call him. Where, where's he been? I wonder if anyone was like, shut that guy up. And like, no one had any idea who he was. No. <laughs> that would be great. But I feel like this is like life goals. I want to be the kind of person in whatever industry that when something happens, I just like show up and do my thing and that like puts the, you know, that's, that is the thing to do. Like, like nothing happens in the world unless Yo-Yo Ma is there to play the cello at it. Berlin Wall comes down, Yo-Yo Ma's there. <laughs> Vaccines happen, Yo-Yo Ma's there. Sesame Street gets filmed, Yo-Yo Ma's there. Like I want to have, I want to be like that. Like, you know, where, where it's not real unless you're there to put your little He's stamp on He's like the Bernie it. Mittens version of music. Yes. Yes, exactly. I just love that. I feel like how cool, like he's not giving concerts to make money or even necessarily just to entertain people. He's like, this is important. I've got to go be my yo-yo myself at the vaccine line. Yeah. And he said, the quote is, I just wanted to give something back. And he did. As if this man hasn't given back enough already. Right. Exactly. So wonderful. But good for him. Good for him. This is great. Shout out to yo-yo ma. (laughs) Shout. There's a sentence no one's ever said before. I know. (laughs) <laughs> and we just said it. We did. We did. So maybe he'll come on the show someday. Dear Yo-Yo Ma. I'll, t- I'll tag him the tweet for sure. Please do. <laughs> What's your favorite Yo-Yo Ma song? Tweet us at VaxonPod. <laughs> I'm dying. Oh. Good stuff. Yeah. It, listen, bring your instruments to your vaccine. Tweet us videos of you playing your musical instruments on the COVID line. That's the new challenge. It's the vaccine music challenge. Why are we not doing that? I should have brought my piccolo, man. Oh, my God. Little stars and stripes on the vaccine line. That would have been awesome. We should tell our friend John to bring his sousaphone. That'll be a real hit in the crowd. <laughs> yes. People would just love it. Oh, but you're not because you got to wear the mask. So you could play the cello in a mask. Accordion. Yeah, exactly. Not bagpipe. Sorry. Chillist. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's it for this episode of Vaxon. We hope you had as much fun poking a stick at all the crazy fuckery we're talking about. Hope your brain isn't too fogged this week. If you forget something, tweet us and tell us what it is. If you remember what you forgot. If you you remember what you forgot. All right. We're good. We're baked. Good night. Good night, everyone. 
That's all for today, folks. If you like today's show, the conversation continues on Twitter at VaxonPod. That's V-A-X-O-N pod. Be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and tell all your friends to listen. Vaxon is a product of Offscript Media. Our executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Alora Nanos. Our senior producers are Brianna Seely and Andrew McDowell. It is mixed and edited by Brianna Seely. Our theme music is by Chair Model. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscript.com. Hit us up at contact at offscript.com to share comments, feedback, and make recommendations. For more information, visit offscript.com.